Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today. Welcome to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com. Hello, you're very welcome to the Far Post Perth podcast in association with Outside 90. It's been a very long time between drinks, but we're finally back to discuss some football from WA and beyond. My name is Neil Sherwin, and I'm delighted to be joined by Donna Jeffrey and Blaine Treadgold. How are we, guys? Neil, how are you going? Donna? Good evening, guys. How are we? It's yeah, been a while. It has yeah. since then. Well, since, since the last pod, I've done a whole sea license course. Lane has travelled America and Donna's managed to get knocked up. It's been busy. <laughs> busy, busy season for us, hasn't it? Extracurricular activities. <laughs> We've been flat out. We've been yes. busy. <laughs> yes, very, very busy, some more than others. But we're, we're here now. We're finally returning to uh, to have a chat. So there's there's been loads to get through. Busy Christmas period. All the uh, MPL stuff kicking off as well. We've had night series. We've now we're now into the season. So what better time than now to to catch up on it all? So first part of the podcast that we're going to focus on Perth Glory. Um, we won't bother going game by game because there's just been too many of them since we, we last spoke. Well, let's look at Glory in general. Uh, we've got to be fairly happy, I'd say. Blaine, we'll we'll kick things off. Um, fifth place on the ladder, but only a point off third. When we last spoke. The knives were very much out for Kenny Lowe. There's still a little a pocket of fans who were far from convinced by him at this stage, but there's an ACL spot for grabs now. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's going to be a big um, finish to the season for the Glory Boys. Um, I think fifth doesn't really represent where we sh- need to be. To get that ACL spot, I think it was a probably um, missed chance on the weekend against Wellington. There was, um, I mean, we just kept letting Wellington get back into the game and we had to keep chasing and chasing and chasing. There was a lot of um, missed links in that side. There was a lot of missed passing and it was just fundamental errors that kept giving Wellington a chance. And it's those kind of games that you need to be on top of especially with one coming up against Melbourne Victory this week. Um, you really wanted kind of three against Wellington and then and then kind of pinch a point away to Melbourne, I think. Yeah. Um, having said that, though, there has been a lot of wins lately, which we weren't getting in the first half of the season. Uh, Donna, you're a big Adam Tiger fan. Yes. Credit must go to the club for getting him fit because it, it took a while from to, to get going when he first made his return to the club at the start of the season and people were questioning why isn't he in the team and we did the very same thing ourselves on some of the earlier podcasts but now he's got 11 goals, Andy Kyo is on 10 and I believe Castro's on 9 so that's 30 goals between the three primary attackers. Chris Harold is one of the top assist getters in the league. That front four is looking tasty. It's a very strong front four. I wouldn't have said that back in our last pod but... Um, Tags has definitely come out firing and all the hard work he's put off the field in the change rooms, in the, you know, working out with the doctors and whatnot. It's really paid off. And I did say that they didn't want to rush him back. A lot of people were questioning it. And I think they made a very good decision in not doing that because now he's on fire. I can't imagine he would lose his spot anytime soon to anybody. 
No, and it's it's been um, it's been interesting to see a team revert to a fairly stock standard four four two formation, gone out of fashion in recent years. The old FFA curriculum feeds off the the four three three and the Dutch model and all of that sort of stuff. And Kenny Lowe is smashing it up by going to a a British four four two direct play, catch teams on the break, use your pace, and it's. I don't want to say rock and roll football because that's a, a tired cliche from the Jurgen Klopp uh, regime, but it's it, when it clicks, it, it is very, very exciting. Yeah, well, it's worked for us, um, and I think you need to play to your strengths. And if it's, I mean, as we've seen, that curriculum that's been set over the years hasn't done uh, come to fruition at many levels of our um, development, let alone uh, A League. So. I mean, obviously, Postacoglu produced a great side at Brisbane playing that formation, essentially. Um, but they had the side to be able to do that. And going back, you need to, you need to play to your strengths and work with the, the cattle you've got. Well, we knew that there was plenty of squad depth there. It was a case of, one, keeping players happy, and two, keeping them fit. And aside from Alex Grant having a, quite a long-term injury, and a, a problem for Mitch Oxborough. They've managed to keep the bulk of the squad on the park when they haven't been suspended. One of the, the key young players is Brandon Wilson, and we found out this week that he's penned a new uh, extension to his contract. The initial deal was only for one year, but he'll be around next season. I don't know, it, it's, it's reward and justification for a show of faith in a young player. Yeah, I was very impressed with him um, in the last few weeks in particular, the way he's been playing, and I did say that uh, I love when they re-sign players that deserve to be re-signed and he really does deserve another... Is it just for another year that they've re-signed him for? Extension for yeah. a year from what I've read. Right, yeah, and he's quite young. So imagine another year under the same coach with, let's hope, the same squad bar Rizzo who's on his way out. Let's see how he goes. But every faith in him, he's done really, really well. At the other end of the age spectrum, we've got Diego Castro who... We're running out of superlatives for after two seasons of seeing him in glory purple. It's been a privilege to watch him, but we're at that stage of the year again where it's a case of we don't know what he's going to do next year. The club have confirmed that he'll go back to Spain for a three-month holiday in the off-season. Um, then they'll open talks and see if we can get him back for a third season. He turns 35 uh, between now and next season, so... The way he's playing at the moment, there's no reason why he couldn't come back. Apparently, his family are more settled now than they were 12 months ago, a lot more fluent in English. All that helps with uh, with, with, with the lifestyle and, and being able to interact with people around Perth. So, signs are good, uh, and he seems to be happy with how things are going on the park. So, Blaine, are you confident to keep in Castro for another year? Do you want him for another year? Oh, if you could sign him tomorrow, you would. You'd throw... Bloody, I, I said the other day, give him the bloody um, bell tower or King's Park or something. Because <laughs> that, he's that type of player. Um, in my opinion, he is the best or one of the best imports that we've ever had, at least in the A-League era. Um, Would you say that at the start of the season when he was missing for the first good chunk of the season? Good start. There's always one bringing the negativity, isn't Sorry, it? just want to... He started out. slow last season as well, went on yeah. to win the Johnny Warren medal. So that doesn't um, worry you that he's getting older and he's going to do the same thing? Like, I'd have the same question about Carl Falafras. It's exactly the same question I've been saying. Who? Yeah. Never heard of him. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, if you could sign it tomorrow, you would. Um, the, 
on Marquee. I guess it's a trade-off, though. You know, you you allow a player like that to go home for three months on the on the in the knowledge that he's going to be starting preseason later than others. So you you make your peace with that. It's not yeah. as if he he comes back late or he does it behind the close back. It's all agreed, and it's just yeah. a, a price you have to pay to get a player of that quality back. We don't tend to attract. Big names to Perth. Diego Castro was certainly not a big name when he came to Perth. Yeah, People definitely. were scratching their heads, wondering who this random Spanish guy from the, from La Liga and the, was when he joined. I now look at it. So you know, you, you have to take stock of what you've got. Is it possible for Glory to attract a bigger and better name than Diego Castro in the off season and have a similar impact? I would probably say no and try and cling on to him for as long as possible. Would you keep him as marquee? Sure. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only thing that kind of uh, worries me is I think there needs to be a cutoff point where they go, if you haven't kind of made up your decision by this stage, it only gives us enough time to be able to get someone else in if we don't happen to get you kind of in. Um, and then we, we start again with guys coming in late, not having a decent preseason, yeah. and yada, yada, yada. You're back to square one and William yeah. Gallas. You know what I mean? Um, I, do, I do think there's a, Castro is a slightly different to other marquees. For example, if you take the Roy O'Donovan case with, with the Mariners, he was attracting interest from other A-League clubs, so you want to get him penned down as soon as possible. I can't see Castro moving east, for example, going to another A-League club. So you're not, you're not competing with other clubs for a signature, you're simply competing with lifestyle circumstances relating to himself. So it's you can give a little bit more leeway in the knowledge that he's well, I would be very confident that he's not going to jump ship to a Melbourne Victory or Sydney FC in, in the off season. He's glory or nothing. So I, I would be hopeful that he will do another year, um, especially if Glory qualify for the Asian Champions League. Um, it'll be an extra incentive for a player like him to, to play on, on that stage. Because um, irrespective of what people in Australia think of the competition, it's a very prestigious one and it would be great for, for Glory to play in it. And maybe that would be the, the, the catalyst that gets the Castro deal over the line. I don't know. We, we have to finish in third place for that to, to be to be a factor. But I just think if, if you turned around to Castro now and said, listen, Diego, thanks for two years. Enjoy your retirement. Be strung up from the bell tower. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, as I said, the only concerning side is, is that we get a decision too late and then we struggle to get someone of that calibre in at a late stage. Yeah, well, the flip side is we're probably going to struggle to get someone in at that calibre again anyway. That's just the, the nature of the beast in, over here, unfortunately. But hopefully, yeah, hopefully Castro stays because he's been a joy to watch every every week. As Donna rightly pointed out, he was a little bit slow to get started, and you know it was talk of whether he would be able to maintain the the travel, you know, all that sort of stuff going back and forth. But he was at Wellington last week. He looked class. So I think I think yeah, he's, he's all been right. Brilliant. The last, he's all right. Yeah, it's, chunk of the season he's been great. Still concerns me the rest of the guys in the midfield rely on him too much. It's still at especially oh, at, a his, workhorse. at his age. <laughs> there's. It still concerns me. That yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any harm in that, though. You see that with other clubs at, at a much bigger stage. You see how how reliant Man City are on David Silva. Everything goes through him in terms of being a creator and, and picking those passes. They've got pacey players around them in, in a similar way to Glory. I'd say Chris Harrell, but 
they know that Silva is the man to pick a hole in the defence. Same with the likes of Iniesta and players on a bigger stage. So it's not just confined to the to the A League and glory that you rely on your players. You how you trust them. You trust a player like Castro that you can give him the ball and you know he's going to do something with it. And that's a that's a great thing to have. I I would much prefer them to be overloading with, with possession than having a marquee wasting a load of money that you can't give a ball to because you don't trust. What we see is is teammates that trust Castro and his ability and his vision and all of that and it pays off in spades so oh absolutely but you need to be careful you don't give guys like that just hang them out to dry uh expecting him to perform miracles i expect him to perform miracles he's del- <laughs> he's del- he delivers every week he's, he's made it he's made a rod God. for himself he's made a rod for himself by playing so well unfortunately expectation is there if, if his performances drop and they don't people will see it pretty quickly because his standard is just so high uh, for this league he's he's been absolutely fantastic and i really do hope he signs on again next next for next season. Um, this weekend there's a game against some Victorian team uh, in Melbourne. Big enough game. Not going to catch victory for second place. That's fairly that's sewn up now. As in the similar way that Sydney have the have the top spot uh, all theirs. But huge game considering Brisbane Roar go to Adelaide and Melbourne City host the Jets. You would. Put money on both of those sides to take three points in those two games. I think it's fair to say. Although Melbourne City have lost uh, Fernando Brandon today to a anterior cruciate ligament uh, rupture, so he's he's gone. Um, a lot of lovely people on uh, on Facebook and Twitter um, <laughs> taking taking the piss out of a guy who's who's ruptured an ACL. As someone who's done that very injury, you're all a bunch of pricks. Uh, have a bit of have a bit of empathy uh, for the guy. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes, City at home to the Jets and Adelaide away. Uh, Adelaide hosting the Roar, three points in each plane. Yeah, um, you'd think that it'd be the way that it'd play out. Um, so you, Melbourne victory this week and then Sydney the week after at home. So there's some two, two big games. massive games for Perth where you'd be wanting to get as many points as you can and hopefully the rest can just take points off each other. It's a big game. Huge. For both clubs. It's not a big game for you. Yeah. You're sitting there in second place. You've Just got nothing to, nothing, nah. nothing to gain, nothing to lose. It's always a big game. You don't want to lose. You never want to lose. And we lost against you guys last time, so we've got something to prove this time. And then last week we lost against Sydney. Yes, by 1-0, but that was our chance to catch them. So we could, if we get three points this week, it could still happen. But in saying that, they're playing Central Coast, Sydney, so I can't... <laughs> It's got to fall our way. Well, you could just roll over. That'd be uh, nice. That'd be the decent thing to do. Just Let, for you guys. The three yeah. points. Look, you're, you're way, sure way ahead. You're nine, point, <laughs> nine points ahead of City, who are third. They're not going to catch you with five games to go. So, yeah, just, just let us have this one. Would you um, prefer us to be in third or City to be in third? You guys, I guess, just because I feel sorry for you. <laughs> we don't need your pity. Let's, let, let's, let's move swiftly on. So, all right, there's five games left. Um, Glory sitting fifth, one point off third place. Blaine, are they going to get the ACL spot or not? Hopefully. Hopefully. That's very um, non committal. Oh, they do finish with two home games. Last two games of the season are at home, which is nice. They could be, and the last game of the season is a home to Melbourne City. Oh, it'd be huge for the club to get that third spot in ACL. Um, you know, Did they not had, get rid of that third had, spot last time you guys? No, made? 
done it. Oh, those, it's back yeah. in now? Okay. Yeah. Just make sure it was two and a half spots. Just make sure you guys don't get shafted. It's two and a half spots, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's yeah. a playoff, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, two and a half yeah. spots. Um, well, you know, Seiji's been banging on about how close he wants to get to Asia and get into these tournaments. So, I mean, it'd be good. And we've, to be fair, the guys this season uh, behind the scenes have worked very hard and it'd be um, just a reward for a decent season um, if we finish off this season well. And is it a, is it a disaster finishing fifth? If that's that's how it pans out, because seven points clear of Western Sydney and six, that's cool. But fifth means no ACL and no home final. Yeah, that'd be quite disappointing. I think uh, quite deflating. So yeah, I mean, my expectation at the outset of the season was a home final. Anything after that was a was a solid bonus. Well, so if they finish fifth, they've underperformed for me. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I had them in top two start of the season. Yes, so, so I, but I won't mention that. I was going with the home final bit. <laughs> I didn't even have him in the top six, so there you go. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, let's, uh, let's wrap up the glory chat there. We'll take a quick break, and in part two, we're going to be uh, discussing the MPL, which is ooh, we're three rounds in already. You're listening to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com. Welcome back to the second part of the Far Post Perth podcast. Join us around the table. We've got a fourth member. It's Fraser Glennie. He's back from gallivanting around Asia and doing holiday stuff. He's definitely been on the sunbeds. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about the NPL in WA, which is three rounds in. We've had loads of games so far. We've had loads of games cancelled. Uh, great start. It wouldn't be WA football if everything went smoothly. Sitting at the top of the table after three rounds, we've got Perth SC on nine points, doing well. Uh, three from three, straightforward. Sorrento, the big uh, the big goal scorers with 12 goals from their three games. They're on seven points and ahead of Coburn City, who had a great win over at Bayswater at the weekend. Won't go through every team and the latter because it's going to change in a few days anyway. But at the bottom, we've got Sterling and Subiaco on zero points so far. Blaine, you've been to a few games so far. Give us, a, give us a few thoughts on what you've seen around the grounds and have you been abused? Have you enjoyed any food? Has uh, it been good? What's been going on? Oh, I started off going uh, round one. I went down to Florida Athena to see them take on their, um, their rivals around the corner and Sterling uh, Lions. It's quite vocal crowd down there from uh, lots of uh, Greek and Masso singing down there. They're all getting into it. Turned out to be a fantastic game. Blurry had ended up getting up in that one 3-2. What's the crowd like? crowd for that one was, there was a couple of hundred there. It's um, not where I'd like to see our second tier competition, if you like, behind the A-League. Um, I Should have been at the Journal of Derby. Football West estimated there was a thousand people at it. A thousand. It's all happening in the northern suburbs. Population of Journal up. Yeah. yeah, Little Britain was out in force. Too right. Um, I saw a good game against Inglewood versus Sorrento uh, in round two. Um, very competitive match down at Inglewood United um, on a Sunday Sunday night. And over the weekend, I saw Perth SC um, take care of um, a quite injury-ravaged Florida Athena. So Perth, three from three. You said they played an injury-ravaged Florida, but what a good value for the win still. 
Oh, they were very good values. Spoke after the match to uh, Perth coach Roman Falzon, and he's quite impressed with the way that things are going down there. Bar they've conceded uh, a goal in every game, but um, they're pushing along nicely. Um, also spoke to Glenn Grossdate, who um, admitted he was clearly outdone despite the injuries, um, and they'll look on to push uh, later on in the season. Well, Flurry would have two wins from three games, so they're not exactly struggling. So if it was, if injuries were a big factor, they'll probably bounce back in a few weeks once they start to get a few players returning. We got week four coming up. There's a there's a the big Friday night game, a standalone fixture: Dunlop United and Subiaco at Percy Doyle Reserve. Should be a decent crowd for that one, given the off season fiasco of a promotion and relegation and the the big news that came through in the last few weeks is that only one team will be relegated from the NPL this year meaning we'll be at 14 teams again next season and I'm going to just ask you guys your thoughts on a on on the on that in a couple of minutes but the rest of the fixtures you got Armadale and Sorrento Perk Glory hosting Balcata ECU Junlup against Inglewood Sterling and Mandra City Laureate Coburn and Bayswater Perth, which was initially scheduled for Sunday, but has been brought back to Saturday due to the weather. Um, any thoughts for either standout games for you there? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, I think I'll be going to the Friday night game, if anybody else is kind of going. Junilop, Subiaco. Um, I'll be up that way for work anyway, so there's nothing stopping me from going in the afternoon. It'll be my first game this year. Half seven kickoff. Yeah, it sort of fits my timing perfectly. Um, I'm going to go with Junilop United. Good man. Mm. Of course you are. Local boy. Sure. Good stuff, that's what I'd like to hear. Uh, rest of the weekend, any thoughts? And, and well, standing I think out? it'll be a good game between Florian and Coburn, considering where they're both sitting on the ladder. So yep. Coburn off the back of that big win. Yeah, over, absolutely. Over and baseball. Florian obviously losing against Perth last week. Let's hope their squad is fully fit. Um, ECU Inglewood is a any big uh, decent names that you knew of for Florian that were missing. Uh, Ludo, um, was Ludo McMahon. Was Ludo injured or was he just still yeah. hung over from his wedding the week before? Uh, oh. <laughs> I got told it was a knee, but uh, maybe married life is, um, is set. The whole squad that. was there, so that could be the reason they were all injured. Yeah, no, um, <laughs> no. McMahon Ludo was injured, was injured yes. Arnold was injured, oh, Ludo wow. Boy was injured. Okay. So, so there three were, pretty big names. Yeah. Um, that four from their starting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is a risky time in the season to uh, pick up injuries and have ongoing things already, though, so let's hope they don't stay up for too long. Oh, they've been good value from what I've, from what I've seen. Um, I've seen two Floriat matches so far, and they're playing good football. Um, they've got a rather smallish squad this season, which, um, after speaking to Glenn Gross State, could be playing a little bit of a factor. But, um, yeah, he's quite confident they can push on and getting some decent results through the season. The other fixture that stands out to me is Bayswater versus Perth. Obviously, Perth don't really have a good record at Bayswater. So it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out. Yeah, I'm pretty um, shocked with where Bayswater's sitting on the ladder at the moment, considering the squad they have, the coach they have. Um, but it is early days. We're only up. This a lot of is people only had round them... I had to be up there all season long. Yeah. Well, they've only played two, and it's the same goes for ECU. ECU were tipped to be one of the favourites, and they yeah. lost at home to Armadale, which was a, a big surprise. So maybe it's just taken a few of those teams a few to rounds to yeah to get get to get themselves sorted. Um, but you know, it's, it wouldn't be writing anyone off 
just yet. They'll probably be there, thereabouts, come the end of the season, yeah, top four absolutely. anyway. But Perth have got themselves a nice buffer. I mean, they're already eight points clear at Bayesley and ECU. That's after, pretty big. Pretty big now, gap. those two teams do have a game in hand, but even still, if they both win those games, there'll still be a five-point gap. So Perth have done themselves themselves well in the first few rounds what i wanted to ask you guys about is scheduling um now we obviously had to start the npl season four weeks earlier because we have two additional teams so um it's a lot more games we're going to have that problem next year we've already seen 18s 20s and first team games rescheduled and cancelled uh, it's already disrupted the ladder in all three leagues should this be the norm going forward? Should we be having the season start in mid-February when it's 37, 38 degrees on a Saturday and Sunday? Or should we go back to having the season start in mid-March and try and factor in as many midweek night games as possible during the year? What's the best option? Oh, For me, ideally, you'd be, you'd be looking to get as many night games in as possible this time of year. Um, and I'm sure that's been kind of scheduled in somewhat in the in the fixturing but I mean you'd like to be able to get to a point where every single club would be able to have the ability to be able to host night games mate some of them don't even have a ground well, this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is it we know one of them Neil don't we these so, night um, games going to be a game of Kirby <laughs> but I mean that's the ideal state that's where you want to get to and it's good to see um, there is some proactive clubs getting out there I know Floriot's getting redevelopments yes. done um well, presumably there's enough clubs at the moment with grounds that if you wanted to have a spade of midweek games throughout the season, you would just fixture those clubs to play at home. Yeah. You just play at home. You play you play your home games midweek, whatever, and then the other team hosts at the weekend. If that's the, if that's the trade-off that has to be made, because this business of of having the, the ladder all over the place, we're having the same issues again this coming weekend where it's four cards. Football West have already sent out a notification that there'll be no game, there's no games to be sanctioned between 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. On, on Sunday, which is going to hit preseason competitions and whatever hard. That's fine, that's life, you get on with it. But the NPL is the, the top level of football in, in the state, and we're already having a mismatch ladder where those catch up games won't take place for potentially a couple of months. I've got no problem with midweek catch up games. Um... Yeah. Fixturing midweek games, uh, I don't think it works. It doesn't work at A-League level. I don't think it works at MPL level, especially when a lot of these guys are working normal jobs. Um, people at the club are working normal jobs. Um, it's just not always feasible, unfortunately. Is there a reason why they can't start mid-March and just extend it to go longer? Well, I had thought about that, but I assume that the reason that the season finishes at the end of September is because of the A-League. Right. The early kicks off the start of October. They don't want that crossover. Okay. Another thing is but, you need okay. to factor in the cups. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously to fall into um, the later stages of the FFA Cup. But on the flip side of that, if you extended the season into October, it would actually make it better for the NPL clubs because their season wouldn't finish oh, so they'd, early. They'd actually still be match fit form. closer yeah. to yeah. FFA yeah. Cup games, whereas at the moment you've got a case where a team might not have played for a month or two and then they're having to go up against an A-League team, yeah. which is yeah. which is a complete, an even bigger mismatch than it already was. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so so I, I would be in favour of extending the season by a month and having Thanks. it run into October, but I just can't see anyone going for it because of the crossover with the A-League. But when you think about it, in Perth, if you extended it by a month, you're probably going to overlap with two Perth Glory games because that's all that would be in at, that, home, in in that at home in, in that four-week period. And you don't necessarily have to play on the day that Glory are playing. That's I right. mean, they don't seem to have any problem at the moment scheduling games for the same time as Glory. So, well, what's yeah, the big difference? Well, yeah, because Perth Glory played 
the youth team played the same time that the A-League team played. Right, yeah, but we were away. Um, A-League side was away. And they didn't end up playing because that uh, youth team game got um, postponed due to the heat. Potentially, could we put the league back two weeks and then two weeks to the other end, just put it sort of smack bang in the middle? And I was just going to say before, um, with regards to the weather obviously being so warm in Perth, it's a pretty contentious issue in Australia at the moment. Is it maybe something that FFA should be working on with regards to temperatures? Was it Adelaide two weeks ago? Yeah. Melbourne, the old Melbourne, West had, Melbourne had really test. hot weather. Melbourne, uh, a couple of girls' games have been postponed from memory as well, haven't they? Well, Adelaide's just, game just was pushed weather. out by a few hours, wasn't it? It is unhealthy so. at the end of the day. Oh, there was a young, I think there was a young AFL footballer who actually died a from couple of weeks ago from yeah. the heat. Um, I have no problem in them pushing games back. No, it's, it's but responsible. But just schedule you know. it that way um, to begin with. If you're going to schedule a game at 3 o'clock at the beginning of the season, you can assume at this it's stage in the game, <laughs> in terms of uh, temperature in Perth, it's probably going to be hot, so... Just schedule it to be later. Just yeah. quietly. If we had daylight savings, it'd be much cooler and still light. Oh, um, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. What about again. the cows, Wayne? Curtains will fade. And the curtains fading. Of course, what do cows do? a bit do? of a political uh, angle that's in a, there. That's uh, a great uh, shout, though. I would, I would be all over that. I'm all over this daylight savings. I would be keen for that. That sounds great. Because you could have, even if you didn't have lights, you could kick off at 6 o'clock. Exactly. And you, you'd be finished by 8, and it would still be sunlight. Magic. That'd be, be spot on. So yeah, oh, oh, that's 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 our campaign pitch. That could be our with the election coming up. Let's make Come this on. a thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. football first party. Barclays first. <laughs> All right, that's the MPL uh, wrap-up band preview, I guess. Blaine, where are, we, where are you going to be this week? Um, I'll be down at your mob, um, doing like United versus Subiaco. I'll be doing a, some interviews with coaches, and um, I'll do a bit of a write-up, and hopefully everyone's been tuning into them and enjoying them, and um, we're looking to do one per well. week for the rest of the season. Cool. So if you see Blaine down at Percy Doyle Reserve on Friday, buy my beer. Big, uh, dark, oh, tall, dark, handsome, handsome man. <laughs> It'll be next to him. It'll not, be Blaine. There's not many of them up in terms of like Neil's. No, there's not. Stand out. <laughs> All right, we'll come back after another break, and we'll, uh, we've got a mix ma- mismatch of topics to go through, but uh, yeah, it should be good. You're listening to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com. Okay, we're back for part three, the final part of the Far Post Perth podcast. We're going to look at the Socceroos squad announcements this week. There's a couple of games coming up. It's an extended 30-man squad, so seven players will be cut in the coming week or so. Um, good news for Perth Glory's Reese Williams, who is in the squad, makes a return. Uh, I think he's got 18 caps so far, and probably thought his Socceroos days were over when he had all those injuries a year or two ago, but... And maybe he thought his soccer his career was over when he couldn't get in the Perk Glory team uh, a couple of months back. But he's in there now. He's been playing great for Glory. They've got him fit. And he's delighted to be back in there. Um, so fingers crossed. Well, actually, fingers crossed or fingers not crossed, Blaine, because do we actually want them being picked in that 23-man squad? Because let's not forget, FFA refused to do international breaks. Yeah, um, for me, I'd like to see Reese play in a... Central defensive midfield position. Um, for who? The Socceroos or Perth? Oh, well, just as a player. I'll oh, like so you want him to be picked for the 23-man squad? Oh, let me get to it. Let me get to it. Yes, we'll 
But we've got, <laughs> obviously, you've got guys like Miller Yedinak who already play that position. So, would I like to see him get in for Reese's sake? Sure. For Perth Glory's sake, um, I don't know if he's going to knock Yedinak out of that position. Um, Highly would doubt that as well. So, he's better yeah, off. Yeah, so if he's, if he's not going to get game time, don't we don't him. want him to go. Yeah. His Pretty last much. game for the Socceroos was against Costa Rica in 2014. So it's been three years since he's represented the country as well. Whereas when you think uh, Australia's come in those three years with an Asian Cup win. And We've come so far, the 34-year-old Matt McCoy is still in there. Exactly. <laughs> Progress. Oh, please. He's nearly 35. What's the yeah, he's... <laughs> Some of the other names that are in there. Uh, Riley McGree, 18-year-old Adelaide United product. Um, I I know he I've seen him play, but I haven't taken any any notice of him in the game, the Adelaide game I I saw him play in, so I can't really say much about him. But he's there. Um, I think pretty much everybody's the same. So, I'm in cool. the exact same boat. Yeah, cool. Well, good luck to him. Uh, yeah. I I can't again. I, I can't. I, I I reckon he's just been taken along for experience, which there's no harm in doing. Um, exposing him to that setup, and then maybe when a friendly comes up or whatever uh, on home soil and there's like a, a, a team of predominantly A-League based players, you give him a run in that. But I think he's just there for, for experience and yeah, nothing wrong with that. Tim Cale is still in there. Uh, Ryan Grant. Ryan Grant is there. Uh, Matt McCoy has mentioned. James Troisi. Danny Vukovic gets a recall or recall to the squad. He's still uncapped. And then obviously Reese Williams, they're the A-League players. Um, outside of the A-League players, Trent Sainsbury's injured. He he's um he's not going, I believe. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? Didn't Trent Sainsbury get injured? Well, he's been named. Been named. Yeah, but all, he hasn't got much game time. For where were time. all you people on on the uh, old Twitter Twitter sphere today looking up the Socceroos injuries and whatnot? I mean, a bit of research wouldn't have gone astray. But anyway, Sorry. anyway, we'll have to do everything Sorry, around Captain here. Neil. Um, <laughs> anyway, yes, the, uh, the the rest of the squad sevens be cut. Tommy Urich is there. Jimmy Jago's there. Aramoy. Players from all over Europe, basically. They're everywhere. On they're, paper, they're it's everywhere. not a bad-looking squad, you know? No, it's not. It's not? Yeah. Well, what are we expecting from these games? Oh, well, after that loss to Thailand, we need We points. need a win. Yeah. So, I was wrong, by the way. It wasn't Sainsbury. It was Spiranovic. Oh, well, well there you go. Thank you very yeah. much. I'm glad you were on Twitter. Not one person corrected me. Absolutely useless. I, I gave you a test. So far back that I had nothing to say. My jaw was on the floor. Gave you a test and you all fell miserably. Spiranovic is the one that's long-term injured. Anyway, continue. Um, I don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Results, games coming up. Uh, we, we need want? a win. We need a win. Okay. We've got no choice but to win. Um, my question is... Uh, I don't know. I just, I've just i lost a bit of faith. I think that's what it is. And out. No, I don't know. Replace him with Popper. No, no. <laughs> I say that confidently. I don't know. I've just lost a bit of faith. I don't see as um, Ange actually did release. He said something during the week that um, the guys haven't really progressed much in their careers since the Asian Cup final, since we won. And I do believe that. Um, but you look at it on paper and it does look like a strong squad. We've got, you know, the likes of Aaron Moy who's on fire at the moment. Um, Jackson Irvine, who's doing well. Um, Ryan Edwards. Ex-Perk Laurie man, Ryan Edwards, yep. isn't there? Yeah, so, you know, Tim Cahill, I don't know, like... I think Troyes is having a great season. Yeah, pitching. James is having a great season, hence why I do not want him to get picked, because we need him. Where are the goals going to come from? That's my that's, concern. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, um, <laughs> You can't keep relying on Tim to come off the bench and score a cheeky header, because he's 
Let's he's getting yeah, he's getting there. Got Yurich, you got yeah. Cruz, what more firepower do you want? See Cruz Nathan Burns again didn't impress me in the last few games. I don't know. Let's just think about that for two minutes. Like if uh, we are relying on someone like Timmy Cale to be scoring all the goals and Angie's bringing in eighteen year olds to give them a bit of experience, why not try out, you know, some younger guys that are on the books in Europe and stuff to bang in a goal to for Australia? Like who? Yeah. Exactly. Donna. Why are you throwing that? I'm, I'm that's, that's exactly my point. Like, where are the goals going to come from? Uh, last time I watched Cruz play, I wasn't impressed with him. This is the part where you name Adam Tiger. Well, Tags, yes. But, again, I said, people were saying the same, you know, is he ready? He's playing great for you guys, but is he national team quality right now? Looking at the squad that we've got there, who do you – I understand we need goal scorers, but who do you take out of there to bring him in there? Do you not name Tim Cahill and name Adam Taggart? There's no names in there. Like, Tim Cahill hasn't done anything for me in the last few There's few no names. Hasn't been seen in 2017. Yeah, so he's played nothing. He's done nothing um, with no disrespect to him. Do you not name him and name Tags? Then that's another loss to you guys, but it's a game for the soccer who's basically just going to sit on the bench. There's no one in that side, just looking at that now, <laughs> that is totally banging in goals at club level. No. It's worrying for you know the next couple of years down the line. But when well was the last time Australia had a player who was bringing them in regularly at club level? Cahill, essentially. I'd be saying like early Even go, uh, And going back to Viduka's kills, yeah. Aloysius and all the rest right, of it. So it's been a problem for a while and they still managed to win an Asian Cup. So is that big a problem when the rest of the team is functioning? I think Australia wins predominantly in Asia due to the size of the players in the squad. They're pretty dominant. Yeah, you've got Cal the Leggies who the support them, the Milligans who does his part, Tim Cahill, of course, we could bring him up, who does his part, Tommy Urich. But, again, some of these players go missing, so we need the three points, so they need to bring their own game. Yeah. Or well, six, essentially. Yeah, oh, yeah, two games. The That's biggest right. issue for me is if Australia go 1-0 down, it's hard to see them getting two back because of the aforementioned issues with having regular goal scorers. I think once they take the lead... Generally, you can rely on them to close out a game, but it, there is that worry that if you go a goal down, two goals down, where do those two or three goals come from then to get you back into it? And Iraq has been a bogey side for us. Um, except, when play, except, some... except when they played here, they were crap. Oh, well, in, in previous years, um, going, even going back to 2007 when I saw them in the, win the Asian Cup over in Thailand. Look at um, you bragging about your holidays again. Always, mate. Always. <laughs> <laughs> it's a holiday drop. Go on. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean they can be a difficult side. So UAE also plays some very good football. Yep. Um, and then the last one at the end of the campaign is Japan away. You know, arch nemesis who might fall down to make or break whether we're in Russia. So I mean, it's not it's not um, sunshine and lollipops at the moment by any. Do we think trip. that um, McLaren was also harshly not picked considering yeah. his form? I think so. I would have him in the thirty-man squad. I'd be confident to put him in there. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it seems like a he scored goals consistently for a year and a half in the A League. Um, I don't know what the deal is with his club situation. If he's coming or going, and he's, he was dropped to the bench a few weeks ago and whatnot. But he's goal scorer, and I was mentioned about him being no harm taken, Riley McGree. For experience, but surely you would take Jamie McLaren over he's him 
You know, it's it seems like it seems a strange one. It seems a very strange one. If you had two or three players that were banging in ten goals, fifteen goals in Europe, then yeah, fair enough. Jim McLaren stays at home, but we don't have that. So why is he not there? I don't know. It's a, it's a head scratcher for me, definitely that he was he wasn't picked in a thirty man squad. Whatever about when they trim it down, but they're not taking him at all. I don't know. Strange. And you out. Um, all right, let's go on to the next. <laughs> Uh, next topic, which is, I oh, will go with the the Legends game first. We'll, we'll go we'll go positive first. Yes. Manchester United positive. Legends against the PFA Oz Legends at NIB Stadium. Donna hit us up with a date. It is on the twenty fifth of March. Have to think about. Put that. you on the spot there, but you got Sorry, there. Sorry, Saturday March night at NIB Stadium. Yes, Saturday yes. night tickets still available. Just a quick one. Is it actually a Australian Legends squad? Oh, contentious. At it? I know we're trying to be positive. Are we naming names here or what? Well, we can if we want to, but... Steve McGarry is not Australian. Patrick Swanswike, is he Australian? Patrick um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, Yeah, I'm baffled. Michael, Michael Bridges, Bridges most certainly is Australian. not Australian. He's certainly not. I mean, obviously you have Despotovsky in there. That's a no-brainer. Archie Thompson, in my opinion, is a no-brainer. Hanwell... Con Gutierrez, but then I'm looking at the rest and I'm going, yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit baffled by this PFA Australian Legends. But I think they should just call it the PFA Legends, not well, the, Legends. The, from speaking to people around the grounds and whatnot, there was an assumption that this was initially going to be like a proper Socceroos. That's because it was released everyone. on a radio. Yeah, it was going to be that. <laughs> and then they saw the list come out and it was like, what, what's going on? Right, okay. So, yeah. Um, and I completely get it. It's for a great cause. I think it's a fantastic oh, initiative um, for, the, for the foundation deal, the whole lot. It is a bit pricey, though. It is a little mm. bit pricey, especially if you've got kids. And you, the cheapest ticket is $79 for the shed, I believe. And then it goes up 99 and onwards. It's a lot of money. It is a lot of money when you look at the squad. If you had Harry Kuehl and you had, you know, players like that. Craig Moore, yeah. Harry Kuehl, the likes of them playing. I, I did hear a lot. I did hear things that there was some issues in getting these guys on board. You've got Stan Lazaridis who lives here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Why? And he is one of uh, DT38's ambassadors as well. But there was, there is talk that there was a bit of issues getting these guys to actually play in this squad. Um but it is for a good cause for DT38, obviously, and for the Man United Foundation. So if you can get there, get there. It's going to be, you know, I'm sure it'll be a good game to see the Man United legends at least um, back in action together. That, so. that on paper also is a uh, is a quality side. So for all you start your I can't believe you've listed the squad here and you haven't put down football manager legend Bojan Jorgic. Complete a total of one game for Manchester United. <laughs> He has feelings too, and he's not down here. Outraged on his behalf. <laughs> but they do have Paul Scholes, Dwight York, Dennis Irwin, Teddy Sheringham, Louis Saha. And Saha should take piss at the, unless he collapses after five minutes of an injury. But if he can survive 90 minutes, he should still be in decent shape. Absolutely. Um, Kika Gillespie, Ronnie Johnson, Lee Martin, 1990 United legend. So- Karol Paborski um, is another one. So, Tip for the game. I'm assuming we're all going for the Man United Legends on this one. What? <laughs> you're, 
you're jumping behind the PFA Australian legend. ABU. Over that lord, yes. ABU, anyone but United. It's a, it's, a, it's a way of life. Well, I'm a Man United supporter, so unfortunately, guys. You had it very difficult as a kid. I'm going to support Man United and Melbourne Victory. <laughs> oh, that's, that's a... Wow. Definitely all aboard, all aboard there, the bandwagons. Um, <laughs> All right, yeah. So that's that's the game. It's it's at the end of March, uh, Saturday night, NIB Stadium. Weather should be decent, uh, and yeah, it's great that Perth is is getting games that actually have you know. People well, I believe have, West Ham are coming as well. West later Ham, on in the year. West Ham in the year, and then Chelsea to open the new stadium the following year. So it's good to see. These I can only imagine what the prices are going to be like for those games. But is that one thing we can potentially squeeze into this segment, the rectangular stadium that we all saw the photo for last week? No. It's, Blaine's not happy. It's not nah, good. It's, it's not, not good. Look, not look, what have you done? What have you done? <laughs> you just him. You At just school, him. <laughs> I had a, a whiteboard and it had shapes on it, right? You had triangles, circles, squares, rectangles. I had in my head what a rectangle was before I clicked on the link that showed me the architect's image and I was just like, yeah. But is that just someone's image that they've... That is someone's image, but obviously they would have been inside the stadium. It's going to be It's going to be Eddie Hatch, part two. With Eddie Hatch, you can bring the seats That's not rectangular. The disappointing part of it is, is the way it's been sold um, to not just football fans, but rugby fans, AFL fans, whoever, taxpayers, was that it is going to have are going to have the ability to accommodate just about every coat. From that image, it's not accommodating football and rugby. Um, that's the disappointing part of it, because um, it, it did have the potential looks to, like be, a great stadium on the to be fantastic. It, and it there looks is so good. It looks amazing. Game, yeah, it does look fantastic from the outside. <laughs> yeah. um, but, they, but I also heard, and I, I don't know if it's fully confirmed, that those extra seats to make it, rectangular in inverted commas will only be dropped in if and when they exceed the 60,000 capacity so they won't have a need for those extra 5,000 seats which can be dropped in or slid in as it, as it is uh, if the crowd is say 50,000 so won't essentially order. you're back to a home bush MCG Adelaide Oval scenario to watch football and I'm sorry but that's <coughs> rubbish they are the worst stadiums in Australia to watch football by far and away so and this is the disappointing part of it because it did have the ability and the foresight, if it had any foresight, to be bloody good. There is the technology all around the world to be able to turn... They can turn baseball stadiums into football stadiums in Japan. They can do it here. There's nothing stopping them from doing it here. What it is is a half-assed attempt to try and yeah. please everyone and at the end of the day... Please a very, very small percentage. I, mean, I would like the idea of, and they're doing a lot of stadiums in America, is if, if the crowd doesn't warrant opening the top bowl, they don't open the top bowl. So you would have the, the bottom bulk open. You slide in your extra seats and make a rectangular, so your capacity becomes 35,000, roughly. Your 30,000 up the top isn't open. It isn't access. It doesn't have to be staffed. Yeah. None of that. You're only staffing the bottom bowl, which is a, a conceivable option for say a Socceroos fixture because we got 20,000 into NIB Stadium I still don't think the Socceroos would attract 50 or 60,000 to Perth for a World Cup qualifier maybe if Argentina or Brazil or someone came but for your stock standard World Cup qualifier against let's pick a team we always play Oman uh, I, I can't <laughs> imagine you getting more than say 30, 32,000 into a stadium here so just have the bottom bowl open yeah. slide in your seats semi-rectangular stadium job done 
I just think what we're going to have is a big echo chamber where all 60,000 seats are open. You get 25,000 to 30,000 people in there and it's just a, a, a soulless toilet bowl. Well, we're going to go back to these other stadiums where the stadium seating just isn't on enough of an angle to be able to justify having an oval-shaped the football playing at oval shaped stadium. Well, you lose you lose all work. the intimidation because uh, you you look at the games at NIB now, even for an international, you've got the shed which is directly behind the goal. Uh, you can add a bit of atmosphere. You can intimidate the opposition to an extent. You can do a lot of things like that. If you're 50 meters back from the goal, you can't do shit. No, it's gross. terrible. And you know, I see I see these games at the MCG being sold. You know, the Argentina, Brazil, and sit in the Brazil active area. You might as well be in the pub down the road for all you're going to see from that far behind the goal at that low angle. Um, a complete waste of time buying those tickets, in my opinion. I know people go and have a drink with their mates and they have a laugh and all that, but if you actually want to go and watch the game, you're wasting your money. And I just think that we're going to get similar situations where people are going to go to the first game, realise how poxy it is, and they're not going to go again. And you, you'll just turn people off because it's a bad bad football experience. 100% agree. Um, in my, once we get the money, I think we're better off um, doing a bit of renos to NLB Stadium, having the West Stand mirror the East Stand from the corners, and we're done. Bulldoze the shed. I hate to say it, but we could bulldoze the shed and build it, build more back there. Oh, could do, could do. That's good. Only only area with safe standing in the left of Australia, Neil. For now. For now. Until Western Sydney get their new stadium with the 1,000 safe standing seats. True. So love that idea. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, well, we, our, our people have been paying attention to MLS the weekend with Orlando City's um, safe standing and oh, their, yeah. their flare zone and, well, their, their smoke zone. Their smoke zone and, and, and all that sort and... of stuff. I mean, it, look, it's, it's, it's a case of it's, it's artificially generating an atmosphere by forcing people into that environment, but at the same time, you have to start somewhere. So, you know, it's not necessarily bad. Smoke zone will be there until uh, someone gets all uh, trigger happy and sues someone for burning them. Yeah, and they need. And then yeah, it's all over. Asthma and whatnot. Okay, the last topic uh, we're going to mention is the expansion in, well, 2018, 2019, as it's been put off by the powers to be. Um, should, we shouldn't really have expected anything else from them. But the talk now is. The next franchise uh, license to be handed out will be in southern Sydney. My geography is crap so, of, of that part of the world. So south of Sydney, you'll have Craig Foster and Les Murray backing this to the hilt. And the, so we can expect a magnitude of world game articles talking about how great it is <laughs> and how good it is for the game and the future of the game is secure thanks to Sir Les and the gang. And it'll be great and everybody will have a, a bit of a love in. But... but is it? Is it good? What do we think of this? No, I'm not a fan of it. Um, I think if they're going to have that in another one in New South Wales, they need to go further south towards Wollongong, south coast, and have that area, um, you know, represent all the way pretty much down to the border. Um, I think this is going to take a fair chunk out of Sydney FC, which for one reason or another, I can't get it through my head because they're top of the league and playing some great football, but simply can't get crowds. You've got places like St George and Aurora. Wollongong and trying to merge all these communities together it's it's one of those ongoing things where obviously the east coast is a little more densely populated than what we are here let's, but trying to bring clarify, these people together is isn't going to work Sutherland, St George Shire this yeah. isn't as far as Wollongong this is southern Sydney but if they're metro. southern Sydney surely they're going to try and rope in Wollongong as well 
That's well, what I'd be doing if I was South Coast have got a bit of their own, so I think they'll have a fair bit to say it's about separate. that. Mm, have we heard anything of uh, from people like Wollongong? Yeah, well, there's an interesting interview on the Daily Football Show um, with the CEO down there. So um, check out our partners at the Daily Football Show over the last couple of days, and um, you can tune in to an interview that the guys I'm had. I'm not sure I want another Sydney team. I said that on Twitter. Oh, yeah. uh, it bores we, me. Because I'm so sick of hearing of Sydney teams. Can we just not broaden our horizons? Well, and it's, go it's to New Canberra South Wales. And... New South Wales as a whole. Uh, Canberra would probably take as an exception. Uh, I think they they can justify it with the stadium, the fact that the women's team have been so successful. Yeah. They can piggyback that sort of interest in it. But outside of that, like uh, I can't I can't be arsed with another New South Wales team. Tasmania for me and Canberra would be the two that I'd yeah, be that, that would actually hold a bit of intrigue to see what they can offer. Um, I've no interest. I've no interest even in Wollongong. I don't care about Wollongong. If the New South Wales team again, it's unimaginative. Get far North Queensland back in with a decent, decent backing this time. I don't know. Just, uh, but just not another New South Wales. Well, um, unfortunately, I guess that's you've got a population of what six million or so in that region. Um, if I hear the term "fish where the fish are" once more. I may hurt someone, <laughs> but that's what they're going to do. That's not going to say that six million people are going to just become football fans of it. I know there's yeah. a big hub of, of people and a lot of football people as well, but you've got to think a lot of these people obviously rugby league as well. So, Oh, there's egg chasers people, everywhere people in that region. Go, so, yeah, it's, look, not, it's not a case of you plunk a football team right beside them and they're just going to go and, and start watching it. It doesn't work like that. But I, fe- I, I think people have, have, um, have got ideas based on the back of how Western Sydney works. They think, oh, well, my region is the same as Western Sydney was. It can only be a success. Geelong probably in the same bracket there. They're, they're a slightly regional side and they've held, have hosted Melbourne Victory Games and have had good attendances. May need to change that whole Patriots uh, working title, which is uh, interesting to say let's at just, least. Let's just be honest, it's horrible. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's but I, I think they're in a similar position for this um, South Sydney bid in what they're thinking is that they can be a little bit about outside the city, outside the metropolitan area and they'll have enough of a, a catchment there to make it work. Um, good luck to them, they put in a bid, and if it gets accepted, we'll just have to deal with it. We all, we all want, say, we all want expansion, expansion. Yeah. but we don't want expansion it's in New viable. Else, so. It has to be, yeah, any, any bid has to be viable, and, you know, what, three times bidden, four times shy in terms of teams that have folded over the years? Uh, you don't want another one to go to the wall, so they're going to try and make sure it's sound but at the same time they could probably do with a f- change in a few of the rules and regulations around the competition to attract better owners you know the salary cap has been debated there's the whole promotion relegation thing there's the fact that you're not allowed transfers in the a-league all that sort of stuff can put the right people off it can be off-putting to investors oh, if you can absolutely you you've, want. Um, you've got such a closed up market that it's just um, it, Simply not appealing. Why would you invest um, in Australia when you can invest in the MLS, for example, or China? Or China. You, you know, if you if you if you're an Asian investor and you want to invest in the team to win the Asian Champions League, say that's your priority. You're not going to go to salary cap league. Oh, right? sure, no, no way. No. no way. Would you? You wouldn't get rid of the salary cap completely, would you? Yep, I'd bin it tomorrow. See, I I don't know how that would work because. Financially, I'm just gonna, just gonna look I at think, the uh, other hundreds of leagues around the world that don't have a salary cap. Yeah, but we're not there yet. Why? I think it needs to be a step Why? by step we need, process because we don't have clubs that financially no can. The likes of the Jets and Central Coast and even your mob, you're not financial. Like 
you'll have the big guns like Sydney and Melbourne who will have people and well, City who have just an do influx think, of Do you think money. that bothers yeah. people? No salary from... cap and still have restrictions. China are still well, well there's restrictions on. Do you think that Bournemouth fans really give a shit about? Yeah. Do, do you think they'd love a salary cap so they could compete with Manchester United and Chelsea? I just, I just no, don't think they should abolish it completely. I think it needs to okay, be Okay, Austra- Australia bangs on about having this cyclical uh, type of sport where teams go through happy periods and then they go through dull periods and then they come back and it's what the AFL is. It's what's ingrained in this. You have a team that, like the Eagles, got this wooden spoon a few years ago, brought in a lot of youngsters, cycle went around, now they're doing okay. That's how the teams work. That's not how the rest of the world works. The rest of the world works, you earn your spot at the top. If you get financial backing, good luck to you. That's how it rolls. They also have relegation so you can get new blood in. At the moment, we're stale. We're very, very stale. There's only so many times I can contemplate sticking on Fox to watch the Jets and the Mariners. Bored shit out of me for 90 minutes. That's, I'm just bored of it, you know? So, So we need expansion, we need fresh blood. I don't think you need a salary cap um, to have a successful league because if you look at the the makeup of the league at the moment, how many points separate top and bottom in a salary cap league? Thirty or so. Yeah. So is it actually working? The if if you if the salary cap was working, you'd have ten teams and you'd have ten to twelve points between the whole lot of them because it's yeah. such an even playing field. The reality is it's not an even playing field because Sydney FC could pay Alessandro Del Piero two million a year as a marquee. That's not. Fair play, is it? Yeah. What other club could do that? Not many. Victory, maybe. Glory certainly can't. So we don't have. We can dress it up whatever we want by saying that the salary cap promotes fair play, but it doesn't as long as you have marquees, and it doesn't as long as you've got a thirty-point gap between top and bottom. Yeah. So I would bin it tomorrow because I think we're kidding ourselves if we think that it's promoting an even league. What's? It's actually a hindrance because you look at what happened to Adelaide United. They had to ship out a lot of players last year. They've now gone to the bottom struggling on all fronts and yeah. then you've got you go into the ACL and you look what's happened to Brisbane and Western Sydney is that what we want you, you go up against non-salary cap leagues and you get destroyed which is what has yeah. happened in the past few weeks I, I actually think Western Sydney's win ACL win was bad for progress in Australia because it made people think that Australian football can compete in the ACL year on year and they can't now Western Sydney fans will probably disagree because they had their moment and they loved it but if you look at what it did, it made people think, oh, we're, we're Australia, we can go, we've got these clubs, we have our salary cap, and yet we can still beat the best. You did one season, now look what's happening. Yeah. I just see that regression continuing as long as we have such a restrictive system in place. And I include transfer fees in that massively because if you've got a young player at the Mariners, they should be able to make 500000 oh, yeah, by selling with... them to Melbourne Victory if Melbourne Victory 100%. have that money. 100%. And I think Boz has said that, that they, if yeah. they want to be the feeder club and they want to just yeah. bring all this youth in they're happy to be a community Absolutely. club and they promote the they youth players they give them a season or two and I then they sell them on yeah i completely agree if we're going to take someone that they've they've nourished and bought up and well what the other, the other issue you have at the moment is that european clubs can come in for young australian players and don't have to pay top dollar from them because yeah. that's all that the Australian clubs can get is what they're offered from yeah. Europe. So you can lowball completely from Europe knowing that there's not going to be another Australian club that, that outbids you because they can't. They can't outbid you for it because they can't make it in transfer fees. It's just so you so. do have the small feeder clubs. I mean, they could only really promote the, the cup because that would probably be your only option of, of winning anything. So yeah, this is where the cup would go, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah. Fair enough.
Let's not forget that Central Coast were quite successful at the start of the oh, A League as well. They weren't always. No, we're just picking them as the way. as the example because they have such a, a well, they good record of bringing through yeah, young absolutely. players and giving youth a chance. And if they were in a position where they said, "Look, we've got this young guy," and what it will do is it will make the likes of Central Coast sign young players to longer contracts and secure those players' futures because they won't want a player to be on a rolling one-year contract or a two-year contract because they will lose them to another. They'll be able to tie them down. Yeah. On the premise that if victory offer five hundred grand, you can go. I absolutely agree with that. I think. So you could you could have you could have youth players signing four-year contracts because the club wants to secure them and yep. then force another A-League club to have to buy them and then make make a bit of revenue out of it. All jokes aside, I think they should be. Coming. I didn't say anything that was a joke. That was deadly no. serious, mate. No, I'm just about <laughs> to say a bit of a joke. Oh, you might think so. Um, all jokes aside, I think Mariners should become Red Bull. If Red Bull want to come in, I think the Mariners would be an ideal fit for Red Bull to take them over. Why? They need it. <laughs> They've got no choice. They do need it. But why would Red Bull invest in the league and well, they're already make them? They're already, looking. they're already sniffing yeah. it out. But what, what's the incentive, though? Red well, Bull, look what Red Bull have done with, I guess with Leipzig. Spread the, just spread their the wings. band awareness yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, but Leipzig have got that um, clause through the Bundesliga <laughs> that they can't yeah. have naming rights. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so they, 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 they have, they're still the primary backer. I mean, we look, we look at what Red Bull have done with, um, with New York when they took over um, they took over the Metro Stars New York, and, and turned them into New York Red Bulls and brought in Henri and all that kind of stuff. And they did that in a restrictive salary cap model, so they have experience of it, which is great. I just think that the A-League salary cap model is too restrictive. And I would like I to think well, that's they, what I was they, saying. If they're um, going to come in and start sniffing around, you'd be opening the door to the this no. league at the moment, the way it is at the moment. Okay, well, that's more than enough. We, uh, we certainly made up for our absence by rambling on for well over an hour. But um, thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks to Blaine, Donna, Fraser. Thanks, thanks Neil. Thank you. Stuff. Enjoy the NPL this week and get out and uh, watch a few games since Glory are away. Uh, we won't leave it as long for the next podcast. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Far Post Perth, powered by Outside90.com. Here's a thought. What if you woke up to find you'd won $20,000 every month for 20 years? Imagine the possibilities. Set for life from New South Wales Lotteries. Grab an entry in-store or online today.